0: No matter in life what you try to do, you're dead too. Hello. And welcome to Your Dead Too, a podcast about a shared inevitable demise. I am your host, John Toyson. This week, I sat down with Tanya Sanders. Tanya is a hairstylist in Chanhassen, Minnesota. She has many fascinating stories about her life and her path to where she is now, including a very interesting turn into the Air Force and being a cook and how that impacted her and her views on death. I know that sounds like it's a strange path to get there, but trust me, it's worth the listen she has a really, really set of cool stories and just very interesting experiences that I really enjoy talking with her every time I sit down with her to get my haircut. So if you ever need anybody in the Minnesota area to do so, please reach out to Tanya Sanders. She's phenomenal. Obviously, I'm a bit biased there, but she had a lot of cool stories to share. So it was really nice to sit down and talk with her, not in the process of getting a haircut because I wanted to just be able to talk with her one-on-one and without a bunch of people around in public because we got into some weird stuff and it was just really fun. You can actually hear me gasp out loud at about 10 minutes into our conversation when she talks about her experiences in the Air Force and, uh, there's some other cool things that come through as well. So she's really a really great guest. shared some great stories. Uh, if you have any feedback, let me know. If you're excited about anything or if you think anything is interesting or noteworthy, let me know. Send a note at uh, yourdead2 at gmail.com or look me up on Twitter or Instagram, you're dead 2 uh, As always, I appreciate anybody taking the time to listen and uh, frankly even give this at the time of day because it's just it's intense stuff that people are not wanting to dig into. We all kind of hide from the unpleasantness so this is why I think it's helpful so as always I appreciate you listening thank you so much and let's get into it cool so there we go
1: I can't do it forget it
0: (laughs) (laughs) so say hi hi what's your name Tanya Sanders. And thank you for coming here today. Absolutely. What if I were to say, who's Tanya? Like, really high-level overview, who are you?
1: Okay, that's a pretty big question. Okay, so I had a client yesterday, and he was trying to tell me his type. And he's... At first, a long time ago, I'm like, this is a nice-looking kid, you know? But kid is the word, because he's about two years older than my son. And he started... Talking about what his ideal, because I'm trying to set him up, what his ideal person would be. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. Only from the things, the personality things that he said. And he was like, I need someone bubbly and fun. And I want someone who's busy and can slow down when they need to, but be super excited. And I'm like, hey, that's me. But then I decided that was me probably 10 years ago. Okay. (laughs) But I'd have to say... I'm a fairly happy person. I, well, as you know, I'm a hairdresser, and I love. I just I love what I do. So I think that's a big part of me.
0: That is something that not a lot of people are fortunate to have found. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you are my stylist. I'm a fancy boy. I like to make sure that I. (laughs) I my wife introduced us. Yes. And until then, I had been getting just random like. Kind of wherever I'd go, I'd just be like, it's a one up the sides and then cut it on top. And then it would just like I was getting what I was paying for, which is just weed whacker bullshit, yeah. which you do good work. Thank so. you.
1: As I came in today, I'm looking at your house. I mean, I'm looking at your hair going, okay, how'd I do? Where's it? Do- that a <laughs> little piece there? No, okay, that looks good. I know. I don't Critiquing usually. Critiquing my hair, my work.
0: I don't usually get. Like super cleaned up for this other than just like be presentable But it's like, okay, Tanya's coming over. Make sure everything is okay. <laughs> make sure the make. hair's right. One, two, three, touch, to touch. The hair. Yes. <laughs> um. Yes. So you were, where were you born?
1: I was born in Illinois. That's right. Um, my mom and dad are like nurse and a teacher. So they, my dad actually, we moved around quite a bit. So we moved to Minneapolis. No, St. Paul. How was I like four or five? He was a Lutheran school teacher.
0: Really? Yes. Okay. Was that part of your household then growing up? I mean, it's a pretty inoffensive brand of Christianity that it's not very like heavily dogmatic. Was that something he brought home with him or was that something he took to work?
1: No, we were we lived his I mean, our life was definitely church on Sundays, we pray before our meals, you know everyone we pretty much surrounded ourselves with was from church and school. Okay. That's every night we went to Basketball games at the Lutheran Church. You know, he was a coach, so we, we lived and we were gym rats.
0: Sure, and it was like a kind of a hub for your life and yeah. a community center, kind of Absolutely. like the old school version of like that's where you would go. You'd go to the church and – okay. Correct. Very cool.
1: But not so overbearing that I ever felt
0: – well,
1: overbearing or overwhelmed.
0: Yeah, it wasn't like – ever present enough that it was oppressive. It was just like, oh, this is kind of where our lives are hubbed around, and that's. Correct. So did that, as you were approaching the age of like high school graduation, I asked this because I had zero idea what I intended to do. Mm -hmm. I knew generally what I didn't want to do. Did you know what you wanted to go off and do?
1: Absolutely not.
0: And is that how you ended up working for Uncle Sam? Nope.
1: So my dad was a Lutheran school teacher. Both my sisters are Lutheran school teachers, so I went to college to be a Lutheran school teacher.
0: No, I did not know that.
1: (laughs) But I don't really care for kids. so (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's kind of an impediment, too.
1: I like mine, I like my friends, but I don't know how much I really, I taught Sunday school for a couple years, and I'm like, whoa, this is not my calling. No. No. So I didn't really know what to do. I, I majored in drinking, and I hadn't drank all through high school, maybe once, and so I just went and partied crazy and decided, okay, told my parents, I can't do this. So that's when I went and saw big old Uncle Sam. Okay. So my brother's in the military. Right. The so Air this Force. was
0: not unprompted. This was something that you'd mm-hmm. seen your brother do and you thought, this is a lack of structure and this does or not lack of structure, this is, I don't have what I'm looking for down this angle. I can see my brother doing this. Here is something that... I recognize and something I can put my finger on and say, that might be a yeah, fit.
1: That was probably five minutes longer than what I thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: My brother said, why don't you join the military? I said, okay.
0: Huh?
1: And that's about how much thought I put into it.
0: And we, you and I have talked about this, but I'm gonna, I want to unpack all the details so I can get a clearer sense for listeners that mm-hmm. is, was it, so it was military, right? Yep, Air Force. Okay, so Air Force. Correct how does that work from somebody who's never been enlisted and has pretty much been terrified of getting drafted which I know hasn't happened since <laughs> the 70s um, what was like did you have boot camp
1: of course
0: and was it as yeah, horrible it, as it, it is it was
1: as horrible as what they show on TV you can go on YouTube and watch it now which is crazy yeah but Yeah. I mean you got yelled at you got screamed at I had one one guy yelling at me so close to me that his mustache was tickling my nose we, you know, the first night, all you hear is, <laughs> from, you know, 60, 70 women, just, yeah, it, it was a, it was a shocker. They, uh, they brainwash you. Yeah, Absolutely. the point is to they break you down. Break and... you down. And then little by little, they bring you up. And when you're done, you think your it does not stink. You are badass.
0: Yeah, you are a badass person in general, I would say. This is stuff that has at least stuck with you on the core level. Like they have programmed that in that is part of your base Mm -hmm. code.
1: And I'd say before the Air Force, I was not very self-confident. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I was kind of worried about what someone else thought, what I wore. I was uh, called Two Outfit Tanya when I was in high school because we had just moved from Hawaii. And all we had there were shorts and tank tops. We just, you know, and we didn't have a lot of money. My parents weren't, you know, well off. And we moved back, and that had costed everything. And so when I went to college or high school, I, you know, I didn't have very many clothing. And yeah, that was my nickname. So that was so shitty. That was a tough one.
0: Some teenagers can just pick up on like the one thing you're self-conscious about, and that
1: was probably my biggest.
0: That's so shitty. Yeah. Well, but I
1: did go go to um, uh, maybe 20 year class reunion. And I said something to the girl, and she apologized and said how very sorry she was, and could she buy me a drink? I said, absolutely. So that was kind of an interesting, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, to outfit Tanya.
0: That's, I've thought about that kind of behavior. Like, I definitely was not as charming as I thought I was, and <laughs> I no, didn't. No, there's no way. Oh, yeah, it's probably an asshole. I was, like, a real, <laughs> like, I thought of myself as, like, a victim, but I was probably a real snot, like, yeah, just high school boy, you know? yeah. I still cringe over stuff that I, like, oh, boy, if I ever see that person, I really ought to apologize mm-hmm. for, like, just being – but then you think back and, like, how much of a – neuro, like, just haywire hormones. You know, your brain is just pumping on all cylinders.
1: Since I have a 15-year-old boy right now, I I have to remember that all the time, every day.
0: Yeah. It's not <laughs> – rationality is a rare gift.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Okay. So you are, like I said, in general, a badass. You did your time with Uncle Sam. Yep. Did you actually fly stuff?
1: Nope. I was a, ready for this one? I never told you. I was a cook. Get but, out. hmm I was a cook. Uh, when I first in, Yeah. When I first went in, uh, the recruiters, wow, they give you a line, right? You mm-hmm. think you're going to do one thing. And so I, I had been working at Holiday Inn, and I loved working in hotels because I got to see so many people. And one of the jobs you can get in um, the Air Force is mobility. Um, which is working in the hotels because every base has a hotel.
0: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm.
1: So instead of, I'm going to say I'm paying for, you know, a regular hotel for people coming in and out, you, you have your own system. You will build this.
0: You come in. This is yeah. our rates. So it it's, a, Yeah, So it
1: was a whole military hotel system hmm. on every base. So I thought I was going to work in the hotels. And it was overall it was services, so you, you know, um, mortuary affairs, cooking, uh like the gymnasiums, your wait a minute, hold on. This hold on. is all in one grouping.
0: Did you say mortuary affairs? I did. That just gets wrapped in with all of yes. that. Of like,
1: I learned to bag and tag. Get the fuck
0: out. Yeah. You okay?
1: I've never done it on a live per. Or,
0: well, yes, <laughs> you wouldn't do it on a live person, but I... hopefully not, you yeah. murderer. But right, you come over here, you come into my house, worried <laughs> that you're not going to have anything to talk about, and I'm just finding this out about you now. Okay, mm. so holy Funny. shit, bagging and tagging. <laughs> oh my god, we yeah. have. I have sat in your chair and talked with you about this weird shit for time and again and I'm I kinda just I kind of forgot,
1: I'll be honest.
0: This is why I, mean, I want I the about training this stuff. but Okay, so you did the training but yes. that involves I'm guessing at some point cadavers. No. Really? No. Nope. Mannequins? Just mannequins ah. or each other? A lot of
1: times <laughs> it was each other.
0: Okay. Yes. So what does that what is playing dead involve?
1: Laying there laughing, trying not to laugh as much. Okay. Because you have to put the tags on your toes, right? So you, you have to write all this information down, mm-hmm. and then you put it in the toe. And so, of course, as you're the dead person getting something on your toe, yeah, it's a little ticklish. So Okay. Um, I learned that when you, if you're out in the field and someone dies, and you take their dog tags, there's two dog tags always, and you take one in, right here in the teeth. Oh, seriously? And then you take your boot and you jam it in. <gasps> So that it's a, um, an ID. Oh, fuck that. And since teeth are the last, you know, to yeah. go. Well,
0: they're bone. Yeah. It's jammy. Oh, God. Oh. I mean,
1: I never obviously had to do that.
0: This is why I would not do well in the military. I'm just already like, <laughs> oh, it's terrible. But uh, first of all, I also, for some people, that wouldn't work because I until I had this fixed, I had like full-on David Letterman gap. So I'd just be like, I'll just slide that in. They'd have, the have e to move it over
1: be- to the left side or the uh, right side. Oh, good. And then the other <laughs> one goes around the toe? Um. Yes, I remember right. And then you have to, um, you do the finger. No, this is if they're in a facility. Yeah, you have to do the, we had to learn how to do the fingerprinting. And I'm trying to think of that. Now oh, that's been like training from like 20 some years ago. Yeah, but. science
0: has marched on since then. Yeah,
1: yeah. You have these little tags you put in the, on the toe. You have to write all this information down and then you do their fingerprints. I had just missed, um, I was in Germany. And I think it was two years earlier, had I been there you know, two years earlier, there was an um, uh, air show. And I think it was an Italian air show. And there was an accident. And so it crashed. Like and the big fireball went over people. And so they had to make the two gymnasiums mortuaries.
0: Oh, right, that air disaster. Okay. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. So that
1: was what I was there in, I don't know, probably 92 what was I? Oh, 88. I was there in 89. So it must have happened mid 80s. Okay. Yeah. At Ramstein in Germany. So yeah.
0: Wow. Had no idea Mm -hmm. that the more that I am peeling away the layers on the onion, this helps me understand like these are all through lines of who I know you to be that you would, you would follow the familial path, kind of. You were finding things like the hotel work where you're interacting with a lot of people and you get a lot of charge out of that. Right. But you're also this person who sought out the hardcore nature of the military. Whether or not you were acknowledging it, you have since embraced that, and that is seemingly a fundamental part of who you are. So these things are all kind of coalescing into the Tanya that I know today. Mm -hmm. So as that went on, how long was your entire how long was that chapter in your life? Five years. Five years. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of living in five years. Mm -hmm. Is that where you met Chris?
1: No. No, I met him much later.
0: Okay. So what happens when you get out of the military?
1: Well, before that, I'll just back one thing up. So I was 19 or 20. I was 20 and then I got pregnant.
0: In the military? In
1: the military, in Germany. Okay. Yep. So that's pretty much, then I came back. Oh my goodness. Grand Forks. Okay. Yeah, so I was in Grand Forks for a year.
0: I could not help you with that. <laughs> wow, that was a tough Oh, yeah, one. you know, the one up in... Uh...
1: <laughs> the Tundra. Oh, okay. Yeah, so then I worked out in the missile fields. Holy and shit. And I would uh, cook for all the... There's usually like 12 people, and so and one cook, and so you'd do breakfast, lunch, dinner, and midnight meal, and and then you'd go down in the elevator and bring dinner to the officers that are sitting there waiting to push the button.
0: Oh, that's heavy stuff. <laughs> Did they... I didn't realize
1: that it. I mean, you don't think about it at the time, but yeah. Well, it's
0: compartmentalization. They're yeah. very – I think I mentioned to you recently that I was reading a book all about, like, the actual authenticated – you know, declassified information about Area 51, right. not the conspiratorial aspect, but like what actually was going on there. Mm-hmm. And it was so compartmentalized, like keeping everybody separate that nobody really knew what the other person was working on. But the in- intent was like, well, then there's no risk of security. So you weren't thinking about the existential crisis of like, oh, these people could end all life on Earth. But here's a sandwich. Right. So what was <laughs> the military cooking like? What were you like? Oh, gosh. Is it just and hash? Or, I mean,
1: so for like breakfast, you'd make a hole on everything. Just like you would your family, big bacon, eggs, everybody orders.
0: Did you like doing it?
1: Um, no. Okay. No, I didn't like it at all, actually. But when I was in in Europe, I was in a mobility unit. So I got to travel all over Europe, living uh. in Tent City. So going out for 30 days, uh, Denmark, uh, Fran- we were in France. We, were, I mean, we got to go. I went to Italy for a month. Ugh. So then you'd work out in the field. And I didn't mind cooking out in the field. It was just such a camaraderie. It was really fun. Yeah. But I didn't care for it when I had to actually come back because you'd have to go back and forth um, on the base and cook in a a dining hall. That was tough.
0: It's not as glamorous, not as, uh, not glamorous, but it's certainly. Yeah, it's
1: kind of bottom of the. um, For a little while, I did sandwiches and you'd make all the meals for the um, flights. So then you work in a flight kitchen or then you could work on a, there was so, you know, I was a baker for a year. No, that was fun. Yeah, this is interesting. got to do that for a year. So a lot of different jobs within our career field. But yeah, you were not, um, you were closer to the bottom of the totem pole when you're a cook and in in services. But hey, they loved us because, you know, we fed them.
0: Yeah, it's one of the few indulgences you can have is another plate. (laughs) Please. Okay, so that, you were pregnant?
1: Yep. So I I was over in Europe for another year there. Um, Then I went to Grand Forks for a year. And then I got out. And I came home with my mom and dad, and they lived in Waconia. And I said, I'll stay there for a year. And that was 25 years ago.
0: Okay. And point of reference for anybody not in the Twin Cities metro area, that is one of the outer rings of the suburbs. It's um, a beautiful area. Yeah, it's rural. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And at what point did you meet your husband?
1: Uh, Okay. So then I went to beauty school and became a hairdresser. So I went to beauty school and... I was uh, went to Rockwell Belly. That's was my first job, and I got to assist all. Of, he's got like seven salons, and so I was assisting at one, and I was assisting this woman, Angie, and in walks this tall, dark, and handsome guy, and I'm like, ooh, he's nice looking, and he went to see her, and they were friends. That was the first time I met him, and
0: now I've only seen him with a shaved head, though. Yeah,
1: he was just, but he was just coming in to see Angie. Ah, wasn't getting <laughs> just coming to say hi to his friend. Oh, Okay. Yeah, he has a lot of more female friends, so that was one of his best friends, and so she set us up. We went on one date, and didn't date again for about three years.
0: Okay. And I've I've picked your brain about that entire... Yeah. That story, that epoch. But, so since then, you've basically been, Tanya, here Mm -hmm. in the western suburbs, taking care of people, making them feel good about themselves, Mm -hmm. being an unofficial counselor to people talking them through a bunch of whole ton of weird shit in the probably
1: if I could say a percentage of what that part of the job is it's like 50 50 yeah I mean that's an important part of a job to you know really connect with your clients so it's fun can think of
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can think of so many times you've only known me in my iteration of like banking and wearing a suit and like Mm -hmm. the phase of my life where I got introduced to you I did not feel in sync with who I was it was a real value mismatch Mm -hmm. and you've seen me now leaving that and it's probably a little weird to see this is what John is like if he's not wearing a suit and not worried about mortgages and but you were very very patient with me and very helpful and comforting and um, you gave a kind ear when I was really having some hard times with that so
1: thank you you're welcome and I have to say that I like this John As well, a little more.
0: It's just more you. I appreciate that. For what I know.
1: I mean, good grief, I see you every six weeks, four weeks, whatever. But
0: it's more than I see a lot of family members. But I
1: like that. I like the you.
0: So we've gotten to talking about a lot of weird stuff to the point where I always look around (laughs) at the other. Because I usually go like during the day to get my hair cut. So it's me and a bunch of blue hairs in there. Like (laughs) I'm well aware I'm talking too loudly about murder and inappropriate stuff. So. When the idea of this podcast first came up, you were one of the first people to be like, oh, you should absolutely do that. Yes. Does that come from any particular interest you have in the morbid or like?
1: I think one day you told me to listen to some podcast. Yep. And I I, I, think, I can't remember if I tried right away or I, I remember I was mowing the lawn listening to it and just I didn't want to stop. So I'd have to say, yeah, it's always I always like to hear things. but I, I, um, I'm often afraid that something like that's going to happen to me.
0: And that's a really common element to that, is really? that it's this revulsion factor of you, you, you kind of want to watch but you, you close your yeah. eyes, but you want to open your eyes and just kind of peek through and mm-hmm.
1: And I almost think the more I listen to things, and the more I get into it. The less worried I am that something like that's going to happen to me, which seems a little opposite, but I, I was at the salon and I closed up the other night, and I didn't know they were working at um, putting something in the store next door, and these big boom, 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 and I straight, I mean, I mean, I went so quickly too. Somebody's going to burn. Someone's coming to murder me. I'm going to get stabbed. I'm going to get killed right now. And I'm like. Okay, slow down. Slow your roll. It's okay. But I'm often like that. I don't know. I guess the two definitely well, go hand in hand.
0: One, you're a woman in Western culture, so sadly, yeah, probably more likely than yeah, like right. if it was me by myself, right. that concern is more so like, oh, God, what was that? With mm-hmm. women, it would be more the rational concern of who's coming to get me. Like, right. That's a really fucked up sad part of our culture Mm -hmm. you also have your military background where i would think and also you exercise and try to stay fit Mm -hmm. and like you're like i said hardcore woman you i would think would be pretty good in a fight i would hope so i would think yeah (laughs) i would think so but like it's i think speaking the fear out loud helps to tame the beast does that make sense that like yeah by digging into it you're able to unpack like what is the validity of this like you also have a thing for horror movies, too. Your favorite movie or favorite horror movie, I know, is The Shining.
1: That's an awesome one. Yeah. Absolutely. I love watching that one. There's a lot of good ones out there. My husband says I bamboozled him into marrying him because I used to watch them with him religiously. Well, that's a pretty wrong word. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I loved him. And I got pregnant my second son, and I didn't want to go to him anymore because I didn't want the anxiety that I was going to have at a movie theater. Yeah, it's... Feel my baby have that feeling.
0: The adrenaline rushing Mm -hmm. in that can change what's happening in pregnancy.
1: And so afterwards, I wasn't as into them as I used to be. So my husband always says, yeah, I bamboozled him into marriage. I thought this was one thing. I thought you were (laughs) this hardcore. So I definitely like them. Now I like, you know, certain ones.
0: You know, you could... You could play it to him in that, you know, we used to have in the 90s, we would have these isolated hour and a half stretches of just pure fucking terror. Now, thanks to the Internet and all that's going on, it's just a long, drawn-out sense of dread and I'm going to die every single day. (laughs) Now you've just got it all the time. That's right. I like that. Okay. So here's where it gets fun and weird. What do you think happens when we die?
1: So I've actually, since we started talking about this in this podcast, I'm like... Kind of, kind of dig a little bit deeper into what I really, really thought or think. And I think I always go back to that faith base. But I've changed as I get older on some things. Um, you know, we believe that your body goes to heaven, you will be judged, and or you go to hell. I have a harder time with hell. I'm not quite sure... Exactly where I fall into that of our like our strict Lutheran beliefs.
0: Um, there's an oxymoron,
1: right? So, I also always believed that there was nothing between heaven and earth, as in, once you die, there's no connection between the two. Oh, yeah, because the- I believed that if you're in heaven, there's no pain, you know, afterlife is. Glorious, and there will be no pain. So, how in the world could you not have pain if you could see what's going on? If you see your loved ones in pain, well, how would you not feel pain? How could you not internalize that? And it just doesn't make sense to me.
0: That's a really interesting perspective. You were wondering how could you, if you, one would think that you're not going to be isolated in the afterlife of, like, you know, no knowledge of the previous life, or your loved ones mm-hmm. that live on without you, yeah, that if you could see them suffering, like, empathy would certainly be part of your Absolutely. spectrum. Absolutely,
1: and I'd say empathy is one of my, sometimes to a fault in my personality. So I just, that didn't make sense to me. Sure. And to be honest, it still doesn't. I, I still don't know how, you know, I I'd say there's times that I've had feelings of other spiritual things, but... I, you know, I'm, I'm at a loss when I think, you know, are, are there ghosts? Are there spirits? What does happen? And then the whole aspect of heaven and hell is pretty tough for me because, so yet, like, I, I even have a hard time saying it out loud because it's not what I've been taught. It's not what we believe as a Lutheran Christian religious. So, so I, I, I struggle with heaven and hell.
0: Understandably so. And it's certainly not the first time, mm-hmm. A, in my life, and B, doing this podcast, that I've heard people have some hesitancy to say that hell seems as equally valid as heaven. That mm-hmm. if there is if there is a God that we know, that we understand as we've been taught growing up, mm-hmm. how does the idea of a heaven and an afterlife and be a good person and God is love, how does that marry with the idea of a punitive, like, you little shit, I will smite you for this? Like, it just mm-hmm. doesn't... It's this, from my limited background in religion and theology, that it it seems to be this archaic holdover from the Old Testament and a real angry, vengeful God, and the idea that Jesus was very hippy dippy and forgiving, and it would I would think would be more of an old world kind of a way to keep your thumb down on the lower class, you know, that like kings and priests would rule mm-hmm. with the, the word of God and that, you know, don't step out of line, otherwise it won't just be, the king won't just be mad, God will be mad, and that it's a way to keep people in line, but as we've gotten freer from that in any, without tying that to whether or not religion is a good influence, or, you know, what the impact is on society, as we are able to have more free time and not be tied to a factory or a field. And we can kind of dig in and unpack that. We're left with those questions without being really told how to dig into them. Like your dad, I'm sure would want you to in a healthy way to question your faith and question, you know, to know that there's validity in your own life to it, but to not really give you the tool set of it's okay to ask why. You know, you're not going to get punished for asking, well, is this right or wrong? You know, it's so was the Lutheran Christianity, was that something that stuck with you as more of a tenant of your personality, like kind of a core founding thing? Or was it something that you investigated as you got older and kind of stuck with? How has that stayed with you? I kind of went through a
1: little phase of nothing. Not to say I didn't believe. Not to say I didn't have faith but I just I needed to have it for me not for you know you go to church every week with your family you do all your your activities with church I guess I just went through a little phase of I need to I just I need to be done with that and then I got pregnant and my brother-in-law is a pastor
0: really yes
1: Did and not his know that wife either. is the Lutheran teacher or she works for the church too. Okay. And he sat me down one day, and uh, this is in Grand Forks. I can remember it. And he said, "How do you want your your child to be raised?" And I said, "Well, I want him to be raised like I was raised." And he said, "And you know, how is he going to do that if you're not going to church, or if you're not bringing it into your home, and how are you going to do that if that's what you want? Where are you going with this?" And I was like, "Uh." Okay, you got a point. Yeah. And I then I that, found so... myself wanting to not just have that for him, but because I was I was kind of lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, just didn't have a, a steady relationship, single parent, and I just was lost. And so I started more just with my own. He was like two, so I wasn't too worried about him not, you know. Getting church and whatnot, but I, I kind of realized I had to find my way back to what I wanted to be and yeah. who I wanted to be in my faith.
0: You were a young adult at that mm-hmm. point and still figuring out who you were. You weren't calcified right. as a person. I mean, I'm still figuring this shit out at 35. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So yeah. is that something that's kind of – um, oh, what's the word? sounds super corny to say like sprung anew but like is that as you've been say rerooted? you rerooted, okay mm-hmm. so this is something that's like an active part of your life now yes okay
1: yes i still got in trouble for not going to church a couple weeks ago from my mother <laughs> and i said mom <laughs> you can't do that to me anymore i said you, she, yeah she was i mean she's just as wonderful as can be she's yeah. soft-hearted and and i had gone to church and she said she had My dad was like, oh, it was so nice that you were here. And I was like, oh, I just feel like I don't want to come next week because I went back to that childhood, you know. Just because you want me to do this. I don't want to do it. Right. That's exactly what I did. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think she had said, so am I going to see you next week? And I said, as long as you don't say anything to me about being here.
0: Don't make it an issue. So she told
1: my dad right away, don't say anything. Don't say anything.
0: Yeah. My mom would always say, come (laughs) out and visit more often. like, I would if you wouldn't say that. Right. My always
1: go back to that parenting
0: thing. Yeah, my dad uh, one time had mentioned to my mom that he worried about my mortal soul because I, Mm. you know, I don't, I'm not a member of a church now in my life, and it's on one level very endearing, like that's really sweet, Dad. But at the same time, oh yeah, it's my soul though. Like, and just because you
1: don't go to church does not have to mean that that you don't have faith. So mm -hmm. that's a hard one for my family to maybe grasp at times because well having a brother-in-law that's a pastor that and and I do think it's important because it is a sense community and I tell you uh, this is straight up when I do go to church my week I'm definitely more in touch with myself I definitely have more um, I want to do more for community I want to do more for people It, it, it does give me an uplifting feeling
0: very good cool. it's like a recharge kind of like yeah. that's very cool yeah i don't get that from much on a weekly basis other than i guess weekends with my family right but i yeah. meditate with my wife at night mm-hmm. and that seems to help and just kind of there was a time where i mean that's really that's if if that's the minimum that you're getting out of it isn't that enough you know i mean whether or not there's a spiritual aspect to it just to get that that touchstone for you to say my cup is filled up again, you know, and Mm -hmm. to go back out into the world. Does it give you a sense of the grander scheme of things? Like, do you think it about like your existence in the universe? So here's what I
1: think it really does for me. And this is, this is a big part of my faith is that you can go to church all you want. You can do good things all you want. But for me, I have to have a really one-on-one personal relationship with God. And I feel I have that. And with Jesus, for me, it's, it's who talks to me. I talk to him. You know, I, I say that out loud and go, well, that sounds one way or the other. But a lot of times, like my sister-in-law always says that I, I need to listen more. I need to listen to what is being told to me more.
0: Yeah, not that there's gonna be some voice saying something, but no. just to tune into
1: Even even my voice. Oh. Uh-huh. That I need to listen to what you know, whether it's spiritual and I'm am getting you know, I I'm not saying God is typing me an email, obviously.
0: No, and I know mm-hmm. it feels weird to say this shit out loud, but you're not gonna mm-hmm. say it on Facebook either. So like that's this is why I wanna do this mm-hmm. with people, is because this is a place where you can talk about it yeah. and like dig in and like yeah. open that box up and see what's in there yep
1: I have a, a neat kind of thing um, well this okay that's not the right word that's right. my sister-in-law's father is dying right now as we speak
0: yeah that's not neat
1: no I, I started saying neat I'm like yeah, that's what happened after is interesting okay so um, I sent a message and I I just got this new app that can put a picture on top of a picture and so I found a bible verse and then I put a picture of she and her father on there and I sent it to her, and I, unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what the Bible verse was, but it was sustainability, and it was a picture of a cross and and her dad and her and herself. So she said thank you. You always know what to say. A little while later, she sends me a picture, and she's sitting in, in, at the table, and she's been taking care of him for three and a half, four years now, and it's they live on a farm in Hutchinson, so it's a you know a, I don't farmers all farmers magazine, and there's a big picture of a, I was going to say a weed, no, a crop, (laughs) (laughs) and it says sustainability. Oh. And so it's like, things like that, I truly feel, and then I can't remember exactly what the definition was, but it was, you know, taking care it was a perfect thing. And so she sent it back, and she said, can you believe that this is what's sitting on my kitchen table after I got your message, and this is here? And I said, God is speaking to you.
0: Now, see, that I get. I'm not a particularly religious person, but that idea of tuning into the frequency, that right. there's there's uh, order and chaos, and those are kind of the only two things, that mm-hmm. there is movement towards order and movement away from it, and there are much smarter minds, much older minds than mine that would say that that's, those are, you know, I'm not making any new ground here, but mm-hmm. the idea of listening more or the idea mm-hmm. of not fighting the momentum of knowing when to kind of People say let go and let God, or like just for my anxiety, just shut up. <laughs> you know, right. it's I'm not getting any further by chasing my own tail. Right? Does the does the religion does it help you? The religion does your practicing your faith does it help you become? I'm trying to think of how to say this. Does it help you deal with the more existential like? we're all going to die someday. Like the idea that nobody gets out of here alive. I mean.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind when I, when I think of when people have family pass away and they have no faith and they have no, I mean, that person just gone to them. There's nothing. They're not going to be a better place. They're not, you know, if, if, if someone doesn't believe that, I just don't know how, I think of myself and I think, I don't know how I'd go on if I lost a child. That would be, of course, for me, the you know top of the, uh, not, I don't know how I would continue on. But knowing that, for me, that one day I'll be reunited with them. And one day, well, and, and that they're in paradise, that they're in the better place, makes me deal with death easier.
0: Yeah, that the disconnect that you feel now is not the permanent thing, that you'll be reunited again. Correct. Okay.
1: Doesn't mean it'd make it any easier.
0: No, no. But it, it gives hope. It correct gives you something to think yeah. maybe it's not going to be so bad. Right. I can certainly dig that and it's something that I've wrestled with being at different times in my life very fearful of religion. I've been, you know, an avowed atheist for brief periods and at this point in my life, I don't really know what to think. And I don't claim to have any answers whatsoever. But the idea of, I don't think this is as separate as we think it is. I mm-hmm. think things are very connected in a broader, uh, like you zoom far enough out and you zoom far enough in things are very similar, you know, the behavior of atoms and molecules orbiting mm-hmm. around each other then looking at the solar system, it's micro and macro that it's And then tuning into the singularity, you know, like it just I don't think we're as removed from each other as we think we are. But I also think a lot of trying to find my understanding of it is a bit absurdist, you know, that like it's all kind of this is all nuts that there's anything here at all whatsoever. Mm -hmm. You know, like there should just as equally be nothing as there is something. True. Um, So we kind of talked about it. We talked about the spiritual aspect of it. So when you die, you're hoping you move on to something else. Mm-hmm. So is this just a shell? Like do you think – what do you want to happen <laughs> with your body? So when I was a little girl, yeah,
1: I thought that heaven would be – people would have a tag, seriously, and a ribcage. Like I have no idea why I thought that, but I just assumed up in heaven because we're not gonna have our flesh because it decays, right? So in yeah, my mind the Bible kept saying they the flesh really flesh were goes away. right yeah I really did have the idea that you were just gonna be a a rib cage, maybe a you know it's fine. I don't know <laughs> like kind of a but Casper yeah, just, the friendly
0: ghost like the no just be- I am
1: talking like straight up just rib rib cage with a tag. <laughs> so that was my that was my thought, okay. Obviously, we were not going to have our normal bodies, because they have—they're no longer. From what I understand, the Mormons think we do. Oh well, (laughs) I would hope that I could, if I could, you know, lose a little weight. Yeah, I don't mean to slight the Mormons. I do think if I do have a physical body, it will be perfect. In my mind, kind of like
0: the Matrix, where it's like the the. The visualized <laughs> self of like, well, this I clearly look better in all black. I will I'm have long hair. I will oh. have
1: thick, long hair. Thick, luxurious, And I will be long taller. <laughs> Those are my two things I plan to have.
0: So you just want to be somebody else completely. My oh, name is just, Veronica, yeah. and I'm...
1: No, just tall and long hair. Okay. No, that's all. Still me.
0: Boots and extensions. We can get that done now. That's
1: right. So, so I think... I, yeah, it's it's such a hard thing. I think I have so many different visions... Of what it'll be, you know. I I can't remember what movie just was out a little while ago.
0: Um, I think we talked about
1: it. The Shack. Is that it? The Shack.
0: Oh my God! Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, I think it is the Shack. The Shack. Yeah.
1: And I loved. I haven't seen
0: it. I know vaguely what it is. What's this? It's. Let's see.
1: He goes to the shack and he meets God, and God comes in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in really different ways. And uh, you see the kids in heaven, but it's more like on earth. It's just, it was, it was a beautiful vision of what I, you know, what I think or I hope it to be. Okay. Something like that. But I don't know if it's going to be more in my mind or in your spirit, kind of. I mean, I, I really don't believe we'll just, you know, have our human bodies and look like we usually look. You know, the, I know in the Bible it talks about, not knowing your family, that you and I would be family, that everyone is brothers and sisters. Oh, yeah, that
0: we are all family. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: But I just can't, I can't take that one home. I can't see how you wouldn't know the rest of you. And you always hear people saying, you know, Aunt Susan was waiting for me or she saw a vision or you hear people talking about, you know, in their last moments, Seen family members. or mm-hmm. I know that other people can just say oh, that's the brain and old synapses and what, but I believe that that's got to be part of it. Yeah, that it you really do romantic, see.
0: does it? it? just kind of, mm. your brain is just dying. Yeah, that's don't, all it is. Stop, don't believe stop that. having fun. Yeah, right. Okay. A friend of mine that was recently on talked about how she and I being the same age that we're kind of leaving that phase of Everybody got married. Right. Everybody's having their kids. Mm -hmm. And now it's on to kids' birthday parties. And eventually we're going to get out of the phase of your parents are dying. Yep. Your friends are dying. Your spouses are dying. Have you dealt with any significant loss in your life of, like, core founding members of Mm -hmm. the Tanya Sanders life?
1: I have. um, My sister-in-law, Lynette. Okay. So she was 33. So I was probably 26 maybe. Give or take. Um, yeah, she, um, we were out on Lake Waconia, out on the island. That's right. You told me mm-hmm. this. Yep. She had a seizure and choked on a hot dog. So my dad did the Heimlich. My mom and I did CPR. And uh, we rushed her back in. And she had some medical issues. Um, nothing that was, um, she wasn't dying by any means. But she had been in pain. She had had some surgeries. And um, she was anorexic. Oh. So that's where the seizures came from. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow, I yep, didn't know that. Yeah, her electrolytes were off. Oh, sure. It was one of those things where um, I do believe we all have our name in a book. I do believe there is a time that we will, uh, that is planned, that you will die. I don't think it's just a, oh, I walk outside and get hit, done. I, I really believe that that's a, that our name is somewhere.
0: That there's a time and mm-hmm. a place and there's sheet music for all this. Absolutely. And eventually your song ends.
1: hmm And for her, um... We never went out to the island. I mean, she never would really just, hey, yeah, let's go do this. And it was her idea, and it was Father's Day. And so, I I, honestly, I've never seen her eat a hot dog. I had never seen her eat a hot dog. And so we went out and cooked out, and and she choked on a hot dog and passed away um, the next day. They had her on life support.
0: Were you... So I'm guessing then that the decision was made to take her off life support, right? Mm -hmm. Were you with her in the room? Mm -hmm. How was that? Okay, so if you don't mind my asking, this is
1: so. This is always what I. One of those odd things. Do you remember? Okay, I got to think of the movie. He has a lasso and a whip, and it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you remember the last scene where?
0: Very much so, it scarred me as a child. We
1: have the the ark. Uh huh. And then all those people melt?
0: Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, no. Please don't tell me she melted.
1: Well, she didn't melt. Okay. But in my mind, she did. What? <laughs> so when when someone dies, they they lose the muscles. I mean, you're not- you
0: Everything. Know, I mean, the machine shuts off and everything right. goes-
1: And so then they just have that open mouth. And, and so the morbid part of it is, that's what I remember. I remember the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I see her- doing that in my mind which really sucks because that's a hard thing to you know to remember well it's the it's it, odd weird thing and that's just what hit me though when it happened
0: it's a conceptual that's it's your mind identifying something i'm not telling you how to feel about it yeah. but i mean i could see it as your mind identifying this is an iteration i've seen of this before here i am seeing it in real life how do you how do you digest that idea your mind says well it's not it's kind of like this thing Mm -hmm. I was present for my dad's aunt Louise passing away and she was old enough and frail enough I don't recall a a significant change like that but it was Mm -hmm. definitely a here not here like the room kind of exhaled
1: yeah and I think for me it was I suppose my first my first death and probably with my movie going, with my mind, it probably didn't look like that at all. I'm sure we were all there. It was my mom, my dad, our pastor, my brother. His, uh, I think the girl said goodbye. She had two daughters, has two oh daughters. Oh, God. And um, uh, my sisters, and uh, I don't know if I remember if anyone else, but probably my visions of death come from the Hollywood. So that's, you know, probably no one else would say, anything like that. But for me, that's where I went.
0: And it could have been something so, so subtle mm-hmm. that you were the only one that picked up on it, too, could that it was be. just like the subtle muscle relaxing on yeah. one cheekbone, and you just picked up on like, oh, her whole face.
1: Yeah. And it was very, very silent, very... Wow. Um, you know, the pastor was... This is where I find going to church is important. As an adult, I can look back and wrap this around. And he was reading the 23rd Psalm. And he read a few other things. And I knew what he was talking about. Actually, twenty third Psalm isn't just about death, but it was a comfort. And I knew she's gone, and she's she's with God. So that part of it, of course, was a much easier way to you know handle it. The hard parts always comes after, and the reality of the person's gone. Yeah. But I did uh, get to do her hair after. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, so should I, tell, should I tell you about it?
0: <laughs> uh, please, yeah, if, as long as you're comfortable <laughs> so she's sharing So in it.
1: the casket, and it was right. I, at first I was very nervous because I thought I was going to have to go downstairs, and she'd you know, be naked, and I'd have to get her ready, but um, I didn't. She was all in her dress. And her hair had been washed and the funeral home had been they respectful had done her enough makeup. to recognize yes. like,
0: look, don't here's not just your nude relative. Exactly. Let's make her up as right. much of it. Okay. So
1: um, my brother in law, who's the pastor who's, you know, been over many funerals and whatnot, was with us and it was my three my two sisters and I. And so I took her hair and I sprayed it into a mohawk. And I said, Well, Lynette, since you didn't let me do this when you were alive, I get to do it now and um, sprayed it, and you know we had to make light of the situation because it was so serious and so sad. It's crazy that we uh laughed and giggled, and I think I think when somebody dies, you have so many different emotions and you go through all of them.
0: yeah, you can't help but kind of re- reject or fight mm-hmm. in some way the idea that like this is this is nuts, I shouldn't be here, you right. shouldn't be like this, no. this is not supposed to be
1: I actually applied. Um, I don't know, maybe it was like five years ago at a funeral home because I wanted to do, I wanted to do hair. Yeah, it's just a side thing. I think I I think I think would do a good job. I'm a good hairdresser. Yes, you are. And I've seen, I've been to some funerals where I'm like, oh, her hair is terrible. Oh. <laughs> so I, I thought that would be something I could do.
0: Give some more respect uh-huh. to the dead and say yeah. somebody needs to take care of you and make sure that you look proper for your... Right. Okay.
1: So, but I didn't get the job. They had someone already. And I kind of it went by the wayside.
0: I have many questions <laughs> to ask about that. So with your sister-in-law, was it hard to spend time with her and the reality of that not being her? Was that difficult to deal with or is that you were just comfortable with this is not you this is the show. I was pretty shell. comfortable
1: this is not her she's gone I was um, I actually think I felt that way in the ambulance
0: oh really before, before she, she, was she died even, wow
1: because I unless it was just shock um, the, amb- the ambulance met us Somebody. we didn't have cell phones at the time of course so we got on the boat rushed in um, I believe there are angels there I do. Uh, There was two people that were there helping us. Um, One woman. We all have a little different story about how all this goes. It's funny. When each of us tell the story, it's all different. So it's amazing what every person has.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if you assembled Mm -hmm. all of the jigsaw pieces, Mm -hmm. there's still elements that don't fit in. Oh, I love that.
1: So I had been um, giving her CPR, and I was out of breath, and I was, you know, Uh,
0: My mom was doing compressions, and I was doing the breathing. Yeah, CPR is not clean, pretty, and reliable, as they say. No, it's not. You're breaking ribs. Unfortunately, because she had a
1: hot dog, because the hot dog never came out. I had to um, take it out when the ambulance came or the first responders. Um, So I had said, I was so out of breath, and I was getting lightheaded by the time we got in, and I asked this man who was standing there to uh, take over. I mean, I didn't even know if he knew CPR. I just said, can you take over? And the ambulance wasn't there yet, and he took over right away and just started breathing and doing everything. And and, um, and the ambulance came, and the man was gone. I'm, no, no. If I'm in this situation, I stick around. I watch.
0: Just I don't for just... a variety of, like, holy shit, what just happened here? Do I need to be a witness to this talk? The police do this. Like, this gone. dude just disappeared. Gone.
1: And there was a woman... As far as I understand, this is somebody else's story. I'm not sure if I'll get this right exactly, but dark, dark hair. And she had um, my nieces. You know, there were a lot of people on the, um, at the marina. And they said that she was holding them. And then later just gone. I mean, people just don't go. Oh, I think I and everybody had a feeling. Yeah, You know, just different, different feelings. But again, you could ask each one of us. And it was a different story. So to me, does that mean we're all just in a crazed emotion and, you know, who knows what happened? Or, which is what I like to believe and what I believe, is that, you know, these were spirits. They were helping us through this. And and they were helping us.
0: Right, look, if you want to go even further fucking out there you could say like it's you know all of this psychic tension of everybody panicking and having this oh god our loved one is in trouble Mm -hmm. that like all of this energy creates something that's not tangible and they're like we're not gonna know Mm -hmm. this this is why i want to talk to people about this stuff Mm -hmm. because these are things that you can't ever explore yeah unless you intentionally bring them back up and who wants to talk about this i mean so
1: so I think I'll just back up. So when I was in the ambulance, I don't even know how I ended up being in the ambulance, but they were working on her. And I can just remember turning around and looking at her, and I had peace. I had calmness. I, it was It was odd. So I felt, for me, that she had gone then.
0: That no matter what science could have done, she wasn't going to come back. We are prolonging the inevitable. And
1: I even felt like her spirit was gone.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Whether, so, you
1: know, machines kept her alive, obviously, for the, till the next day, but I yeah. I never felt like like she was there anymore. Wow. So then when, you know, seeing her and, and doing her hair, well, that wasn't her.
0: Wow. And then on the other
1: hand, it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> because of the reality of what it really was. Yeah. But at the time, I mean, you know, we just had to you just you just get through it. Uh,
0: were I don't know how I would cope with such a thing now. I have some guesses, but are you somebody that can just face the the white hot emotion of it head on and just like fuck it, let's do this? Or are you somebody who kind of needs to sneak a flask and say, look, I got to just get through this and take a Xanax and just get out the other side? Are you?
1: Oh, I think it must have been about.
0: I mean, it was fifth of it was tough.
1: Yeah, um, probably. Three months later I was curling someone's hair. And I was always I kind of counting my head so that I don't leave it on too long. And I was curling it and I said, one, two, three. And I let it go. And I went, one, two, three, breathe. One, two, three, breathe. And I went right back. So that was a tough. That was a tough one. I have talked about this in a long time.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing.
1: Yeah. Um, and then I did actually go see a therapist. Um, My brother asked me to move in with them. We were both now single parents. And I said, no. I said, you need to kind of, at least I felt like he needed to learn how to be without. I didn't really want to just come in and take over the role.
0: To be a, not a crutch or a prop, but like he's, this isn't going to change. Right. He's got to, he just had to learn how to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, so about a year
1: later, We decided uh, we decided to build a house together and we built a nice big house and I had the lower level. They had the upper level. Um, And then I was this is further down the line, but I um, guess it was a little earlier. He said, I like that. See that lady up there? She's really cute. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. So I asked her after church, I said, would you like to go biking with a couple of us? And she had recently, um, her husband had left her. The time will be kind of cool when I tell you at the end of the story. Um, And so she said, sure, I'd love to go biking. I said, well, I'm Tanya. She said, I'm Becky. I'm definitely, I, I can go meet anybody. And I think she knew my parents. So when she came to meet us, it was our whole family. Mom, dad, sisters, brothers, kids, our whole pocket family. And she said she fell in love with my brother that day. And they eventually got married. Um, And we all lived together for a little while. But uh, her husband had, um, the day that my sister-in-law passed away, her husband left her. And so she was up on, we, we lived right at the bottom of the hill of the church, so you could see our house from the church, and this had all happened. And there's people coming and going at my parents' house, and she's sitting up at the garden, weeding, crying, and saying, God, why didn't you take me? Here's a family that wanted their mom and wife. My husband didn't want me. Why didn't you take me? And then, wow, a year and a half later, wow, they were together. So it's you know, it was a I mean, still many tough times, but um yeah, it was just and that's where I go when people don't. I don't know when somebody is an atheist or somebody doesn't believe things happen that there's spiritual and and faith, and i I look and I, I look at some of those situations and go, Are you kidding me this I, I just and I, for me, I just don't believe in coincidence. I mean, I feel God I, we have free will by all means god we're not puppets, but I believe his hand is in just about everything.
0: That's heavy. Mm-hmm. Very cool.
1: So you know you gotta. That's. I guess that's my personality too. I'm gonna look at everything on the brighter side, because if you don't, ah, what a hard life.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard to yeah. just. You have a choice of like, do you want to be in a bad mood or a good mood? Yeah.
1: Well,
0: good mood. All right. Well, take some work. You got to work up to it. Right. Well, very cool. I. You've really. This is stuff that I could kind of get hints of, you know, mm. and catch shadows of stuff as we talk about it. But like, this is nothing I'd ever get into in public, you know. Like, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't be no be too much noise going on, and,
1: and I have to look at your hair and concentrate. Too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this weird occipital ridge on the back of my head—it's very <laughs> pronounced. Do you think at all about going back and trying for more? Um, Mortuary experience. I mean, I know that there are places around here. is that- there was a
1: period of my life where I actually thought I would go to school and
0: you're toe tagging early on
1: I, I there is that I mean there is a something in my heart that thinks I've been through the situation. I know I could be of service to someone. I don't know about four I don't know how many years ago. I really was interested in it. And then something just clicked, and I'm like, nope. Hmm. I really think about things for a long time, can you tell? Yeah. I really internalize.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's noble work that's certainly demanding and draining, but so is being a cop. Mm-hmm. So is being a stylist. So is being, yeah. a, like, the, the people who take care of my daughter at daycare, like, I do not know how they do it all I day no with clue. 10 kids running around screaming, all trying to tear their own diapers off. Like, yeah. it just... <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Well, I think when I was watching The Haunting of Hill House. I was going to bring it up. I was going to bring it up. Wow, so much of that just incredible. But, you know, she had her own mortuary down there, and I was like, I loved watching those scenes because it really was of interest to me.
0: Mm -hmm. It just was so, God, I sobbed. Sobbed like a child who lost their first pet. You know, Mm -hmm. I just was broken by that show. Oh, it was. It was and i I think how could you possibly prepare your sibling but it's yeah it's a I, I it's know. a job it's you i mean
1: and I think because you have in a situation like that, I mean mine was much easier, it was her hair, but you want to take care of them, and you want to have the respect for them, and I think it'd be terrifying if you were going to let someone else do that,
0: yeah. Yeah, relinquishing that control to somebody mm-hmm. else—it's we just don't. That's the point of all this—is it's it's universal, but we don't talk about it. We're not getting sold a mm-hmm. bunch of ads every day about like, and at your funeral, plan to do this, sponsored right. by Justin's. You know, right. like you're not gonna. We don't talk about it until it's right in your face, and you're having to like, now, well, my well, parents I think...
1: have everything taken care of.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. Actually,
1: the person told them not to take care of everything because we are going to need to have something to do one day. and they said you don't want your family to not have anything to do because then it's just too hard Mm -hmm. and so they kept going back I'm not sure exactly what they decided but
0: um, as part of my will here's a Rubik's Cube you you must solve ABC
1: figure out what you gotta do Um, they were gonna be cremated okay and then some of us were like well my grandma was cremated and I remember not liking that because I liked seeing a body so then they talked about well you can rent a casket uh huh And then um, they embalm you, they prepare you, and then they cremate you so that your family can see you, your family can have that that last time with
0: you. I'm a dipshit. That happened to my grandmother. Did it? Yep. Yeah, she did exactly that. So
1: I think they've talked about doing that. Okay. And I'm going to be cremated because I'm just going to the military cemetery, so I'm like, it's free. Just put me there. Okay. At least that's what I said. (laughs) I've recently been dealing with my um, mother-in-law. My husband has power of attorney. And so we've been dealing with all of the end-of-life forms and what she wants and what, you know, the uh, do not resuscitate and all these things. And it's a hard, I mean, it's just a hard thing to get into with someone who's closer to that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can say what I want, but I'm not there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very interesting how...
0: When I first pitched the concept of all this, uh, my in-laws said, you know, this is its fun for you. We're chronologically, <laughs> this is not as a fantasy. A little closer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's kind of a famous example in my own uh, family of a really elderly relative who at like 90 went into cardiac arrest mm-hmm. in a uh, nursing home. And they did CPR and did the full aggressive, like, put him on a ventilator. And like, you guys why what quality of life does she have now like we can sustain her for another day like she's 90 why? it's okay to let go
1: and at some point don't you want your body to well that's where we go to now yeah i want a new body i mean i want a new self i'm i'm i can't imagine at that time you wouldn't be ready but my mother-in-law is not at all really she is not ready really mm-hmm. and she's in a wheelchair and she's in a home and and she's watches t- television She can't get out much. She has, you know, wounds on her bottom. Um, I, I, it's hard to understand, but she still has that zest for life. And I guess that's why, if you're getting attacked, that you fight as hard as you can because the body, the mind, it doesn't want, you know, doesn't want to die.
0: We have evolved instinctively to preserve the self Mm -hmm. at all costs. Yeah. Any. Ghost experiences. Speaking of spiritual and fighting on and
1: So I have a couple.
0: Okay. Um we're you know, we're just past an hour here. Are you okay on time? I'm fine. Please, okay. So yeah.
1: So mine are not you know, you hear some people that it's just really incredible. Mine are very slight.
0: We're talking about something from the other side of existence. There's no <laughs> such thing as the mundane. Like what what has so happened?
1: So I was I was um
0: Also we don't live that vacuuming. far apart, so this fucking terrifies me that like you keep it in your house and I'm like <laughs>
1: Yeah, not too far down the road. Yeah. So my uh, this is after my sister-in-law passed away. I went over to my brother's house one day, and I just thought I'd clean a little, you know, just make it a little easier, and I was vacuuming. Now, my sister-in-law was very neat. She was very clean, and I just had that, you know, the, the chill, just the little cold, just having that little cold, and I was vacuuming, and I said... Well, Lynette, I know I don't do as good a job as you, but I'll do my best. And it was like, the vacuuming is going, but in my head, it was silent. It was silent. I'm sure if somebody else was there. It wasn't silent, but it was that cold, and it was silent. I am vacuuming, and I don't hear anything. So that was my that was my odd experience. I had a dream also one night... That and and you know, dreams I know that they're not a part of anything than just your brain and your brain waves and whatnot, but
0: uh, I mean, I kind of to,
1: felt this was something more.
0: yeah, there are a number I've talked about this with other guests too that it could just be your brain digesting what you've been through or what mm-hmm. you're experiencing. It could also be tapping into a meaning that you don't have so we we don't know, and I'm not right. going to say hard and fast, oh, it's just this, no, so right, cool dream let's so, hear I'm dreaming that. It wasn't a great dream, but no. <laughs>
1: I'm dreaming that we're on a, some sort of Ferris wheel or some sort of fast movie. It wasn't Ferris wheel, but...
0: Merry-go-round um, kind of a... Yeah,
1: something like that. And I had Ashley, which is one of my nieces, and um, my brother and I did move in together, and so I did take care of the girls for a while and went through a lot with them. And so anyways, my niece Ashley was in my hands as we're going, and I... Trying to pull her in and she's falling out and she's falling out. And my sister in law is there and she's telling me, Hang on, hang on to her. And I'm, you know, I just, I'm trying my best. And the next day I wake up and I'm like, Ashley, I had the most amazing dream because I hadn't had a dream about her. And this was a couple years later. And I said, I had a dream of your mom last night. She goes, Really? It's my mom's birthday today. I had no idea. Wow. So I always felt like there was something there.
0: And if you wrote that into a TV script, you'd say, that's a little on the nose. Maybe just take out one element of it. Like, (laughs) holy shit, like a dream about, I'm just trying to hold on. Please take care. Hold Mm -hmm. on. Oh, my God. Take care of my children. Was that the story that you were saying, I'll find out if I can relay this, if that was?
1: No, that was something else. Okay.
0: Yeah. But those are amazing. Yeah. That's why I ask. Yeah. That's heavy.
1: And so I have ADD.
0: You've done My a remarkable job. My sister has job. ADD.
1: And we, um, we're taking this quiz. My sister's a teacher, so she's always reading, always doing more. And we're taking this quiz, and she asks, one of the questions is, do you see shadows? And she puts no, and I said yes. <laughs> she looks at me and goes, what? I said, well, don't you see shadows? I used she to. goes, no. And I said, you I mean you don't see, like dark things go by and she said no and so we finished the quiz and mine had a little darker things to it it said you know not just ADD but maybe there was some schizophrenia and I'm like oh come on you know that's and so we erased that part and we went back and I, I took out the dark shadows and it was exactly the same okay and I'm like okay so afterwards we had this conversation and I'm like you really don't see things and I do and whether it's just my mind playing tricks, if if it's sometimes when I'm in the salon alone at night, I, I, late night, I I close up sometimes, and a lot of times it's then. But it's not like a scary shadow.
0: No, like it's, not, it's a flicker no, out of the corner I of your eye. I, I, can I share what yeah. I think? There's one of three things going on there, and it could be all three at the same time. It could be none of them. But one is let's just be blatant and say you're seeing something paranormal like you're you're tuning into something that's not physically there but you're catching Mm -hmm. something out of the corner of your eye they you know if you want to real shit your pants afternoon go look up shadow people on the internet and see all the terrifying stuff Mm -hmm. about the man with the hat like when i was younger i definitely would see the occasional stuff but then i grew up in a house that was 100 years old and like somebody definitely died in haven't seen it in a long time i've also been medicated for a long time the second is Schizophrenia is laden with unfortunate negative connotations in that it's like, oh, no, I don't have that. Like, no, it's anything that I recently had a guest on who is a neuropsychologist, and her reaffirming notion was that, look, normal is pretty fucking broad. Like, (laughs) you think you're weird. Yeah, you're probably weird, but you're also normal because normal is pretty broad. Uh, And I guess when I said three things, I meant two things in that I see stuff. Visual hallucinations are not that abnormal, Hmm. but it gets such a stigma in society that we don't accept it. And particularly when I'm under extreme stress or really fatigued, I noticed it when I was leading up to some career stuff I was dealing with. I would get uh, flashes of lights like migraines around Mm -hmm. my vision. Uh, Pretty soon after my daughter was born, you know, just in those first couple months of like chaos and panic there was a lot of visual distortion of just I'm not seeing things but you know visual hallucinations or visual Mm -hmm. interference that some people just chalk up to migraines it's just we don't any sort of hallucination outside of hallucinogens is just demonized as like holy shit get this crazy person on pills right away when really it's very normal Mm -hmm. but we just we push it out of the norm so much but I don't know, man. There's just so much like – oh, and that was the third thing, okay, is that based on where we are on this planet, which is a much more fascinating rock than we give credit for, like if there's an app that I have for my phone that lets you see all of the radio magnetic fields around you, like if you just move it in real oh time. So you can see like that person's router is over there, that person's router is over there, mm-hmm. and that phone box is 100 yards away and it's making this big magnetic cloud. It's fully possible that you're getting some kind of interference from like – uncovered wiring in the building too like there are a number of things if you want it to be super spooky go nuts have fun be spooked out not mm-hmm. for me thanks no i will it's try to <laughs> get more sleep take some medication and just right. process it but i get what you mean though about like yeah i've seen dark shapes i haven't in a long time thankfully mm-hmm. none in this house if my wife ever listens to this E we're fine nothing in the house right. but it's you know that's an element that's out there mm-hmm.
1: It, was, it happened just the other night when I was at, and I'm sure that this was because my, I was heightened. My senses were heightened uh, when these big knocks came on the
0: Well, Boy, I'm never getting my hair cut there again, <laughs> ever.
1: Well, they were putting in new uh, chairs in the nail salon next door. Yeah. But it was that, and I don't know. I often, like I said, I'll see shadows or whatever. This night, oh, yeah, I made them up. They were definitely in my head. Oh, Somebody sure. was over here. Somebody was going to get me here. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, we're still hardwired to see faces in the trees. You know, like mm-hmm. anything looks like a face because we're hardwired. We've evolved to look for predators. But now that there's no jaguar up in the <laughs> branches over here, like we have too much free time with our brains to right. figure out, like, where's the danger? Where's the danger? Yeah. Like, I'll just make some shit up.
1: Right. Exactly. Okay. That's exactly
0: it. Um, Before we wrap up, you have been so awesome. Thank you for sharing all that you shared. Anything you want to share or encourage people to do, or you want Mm. some new clients? If anybody's in the Twin Cities metro area, Tanya Sanders, Googleable.
1: Um. Yeah, I was like I said when I when you first asked me to do this, I was thought sure, no big deal. Of course, I can can talk. I talk all day. Mm -hmm. And then I think I told you, you know, this morning I thought about eighteen different reasons to call you and say, oh yeah. Um, my son got, you know, sick, and I'm like, no, don't, don't do it, because I think it is a hard thing to talk about. It is. Um, I got here and I was instantly hot. I said, "Oh, can I have some water?" Yeah, you and I did, started you sweating, did. and I think it was just nerves. But I love the fact that you're talking about it because I think if we were all more a little more open, hearing different versions, hearing different things that happen to people, it it, it sheds a bigger light on it because you know what? We don't know. That's that's what it all comes down to. And I know what my faith tells me. I know that I, I believe I'm going to have my afterlife. I believe I'm going to heaven. But it's great to hear what other people think. It's great to hear the different stories that people have. And I, I think one of the big things in life is right now we're so separated in a, in, you know, United States or just people. It's a very fractured, time very in our modern separated. world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like things that are bringing us together. I mean, doesn't matter if you're a Republican or Democrat or you or I are two different things. The conversation we're having now you know, brings us together. Yeah, that didn't even come up at have, all.
0: We're pretty diametrically opposed in some of that.
1: You know, it's what everybody has to deal with it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's...
1: Ever, like you said in the beginning, everybody's going to do this. You're everybody's dead Everybody's going to die.
0: Yeah.
1: Except my parents. Never. I've decided that they are going to be, and I've told them this, they're going to be Thelma and Louise. One day they're going to get in their car. They're going to go off. Side of a, of the road, and they're just they're. I see their Cadillac is just going to go. They don't have one, but if they do, their convertible is going to go right up to heaven.
0: Oh yeah, the grease. They are the two people. The grease, exactly. Yeah, the Greece model of just.
1: Yes, I've told them that, and together, and I said in about fifteen years, so they'll be like ninety something.
0: Okay. Yeah, they yeah. just they move on, and no, that's that's the parents are the deity. That's that's the foundational. Piece. I've got friends and family who I'd like to have on to talk about stuff like this, and it's just I know that because of what's gone on with their mm, parents, it's yes. it's I have to incredibly uh, nuanced just how I'm going to pitch the subject matter because it's right. it's so so heavy. Yeah. But I can't thank you enough, Tanya. You've thank been you. phenomenal. Thank you for sharing all this stuff. And you've, if you if ever want to come back on, tell me all your ghost stories.
1: When you're a big star and <laughs> it's going it's going uh, global, <laughs> then yeah, absolutely. All thank right. you.
0: Thank you, Tanya.